0: Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you're joining me today. And we're talking about the church. And uh, I want you to know, you can find a lot of happiness by being involved in a local congregation. Now, listen, don't just uh, use the church to gain insight and to gain Bible knowledge and to gain fellowship. Go and be a blessing to your church. Now, listen, when we look at happiness, I've discovered there are three ways that you could find or three paths to attempt to find happiness, right? Some people say, well, if you want to be really happy, what you got to do is you got to just conform, conform to the morality of our culture. And by doing that, you're going to have to, um, I guess, redefine sin, but just learn to accept yourself, the higher standard of yourself, right? Following culture for what is acceptable and what is right. I guess you could say, Just go along to get along, right? And you're going to find happiness. But that doesn't really give long-term happiness. It may be a short-term happiness, but it's not a long-term happiness. There's another way that people say you can find happiness, and that is uh, maybe you got to just discover yourself. Don't worry about the culture and trying to fit into the culture. Just discover yourself. Redefine who you are and learn to love yourself. Just say, this is who I am, and uh, I'm going to celebrate who I am. And, and it becomes very self-centered, uh, learning about yourself and and spending all your time on self-discovery. Well, you know, it's good to know yourself, but uh, you can get obsessed with yourself, and then you discover that uh, that ain't such a happy place to be. I find and I think that the happiest people on the planet are those who are living in surrender, a christ centered life, a life of surrender, right? You know, when I think about being surrendered, that doesn't sound like an appealing prospect. Yeah, you know, I'm going to give up my rights and surrender to somebody else or, or surrender to Christ. But if Christ has created us and we're created in His image, don't we find the most satisfaction and fulfillment by being surrendered to Him, you know, there was a poll that was done, a six-part poll that was done by Barna. George Barna does a lot of uh, research and basically kind of focuses on, you know, where the church is headed, where, the, where Christianity is. And he highlighted what's called our new moral code. And here's the percentages of those who agree completely or somewhat with the following statements. Here's the first one. The best way to find yourself— is to look within yourself. Now, did you know that 91% of United States Americans agreed with that statement? Uh, So I said, okay, well, what about believers? Do believers believe that the best way to find yourself is to look within yourself? Well, 76% of practicing Christians agreed with that. Here's the second one. People should not criticize someone else's lifestyle choices. 89% agreed with that. Now, what surprised me on this is that 76% of Christians agreed with this. In other words, I can never speak out against anybody else's lifestyle choices. Well, let me ask you a question. What if my lifestyle choice is to speak out against lifestyle choices? can you speak out against my lifestyle choice? Well, I think you'd find that you would be speaking out against that lifestyle choice. And so I think that as we look at the power of the church and and the ability to find happiness in life, uh, if I don't criticize somebody, am I really going to be happy? Is going to go along to get along? Here is another statement. To be fulfilled in life, you should pursue the things you desire most. Okay? 86% agreed with that. 72% of Christians agreed with that. And I guess this all depends on where my desires are, but um, if my desires are bad and I follow those bad desires, those evil desires, am I gonna truly be fulfilled in life? And then this next statement The highest goal in life is to enjoy it as much as possible. 84% of Americans agreed with that. 66% of Christians agreed with that. That's the highest goal is to find fun, right? Enjoy life as much as possible. The fun God, right? Life must be fun. And I think we have a generation that is buying into this, that the chief goal of life is just to have as much fun as possible. And maybe that's why we have our adult children still living with us because they're more concerned about having fun than they are being responsible in their lives. So anyway, 66% of Christians— agreed with that. People can believe whatever they want as long as those beliefs don't affect society. Seventy-nine percent of Americans agreed with that. Sixty-one percent of Christians agreed with that statement. Now, as I look at that statement, my beliefs do affect society because society is comprised of the individual beliefs of those who live within a society. Uh, So, believing whatever I want, just as long as it doesn't affect the society, I guess if we isolate our beliefs from the way we live, I can get that, but I don't know how we can do that, because I live out what I believe. Uh, Here's the last one I'm going to give you before I get back to the subject of why the church is so important. Any kind of sexual expression between two consenting adults is acceptable. 69% agreed. 40% 40% of Christians agreed. Now, based on these results, David Kinneman and Gabe Lyons conclude, the morality of self-fulfillment is everywhere. Like the air we breathe. Much of the time, we don't even notice. We're constantly bombarded with messages that reinforce self-fulfillment. It's in music, movies, Video games, apps, commercials, TV shows, and every other kind of media. As we look at the power of the church, one of the things that the church will teach you, in my opinion, is how to overcome selfishness, how to get outside of yourself and think like Christ. This is how we are going to take major change in our lives. As we think about the power of the church, in the broadcast yesterday, we talked about the fact that Jesus has crushed the wall that separates us from him. That was our first point that we made, the fact that we can have a relationship with Christ because he sacrificed for us. All of us who have sinned, we have been separated from God and we fall short of the glory of God. But God intervened and he stepped in. We learned, secondly, that as a result of what Christ has done for us, he allows us to have not only a relationship with him, but healthy, wholesome relationships with others. And we talked about how we are able to treat one another and have good relationships with others. And Jesus gives a lot of teaching on this, and he says, As you wish that others would do to you, uh, do so to them. So we can learn this in the confines of a good church relationship. We're actually told that we should imitate the goodness of God. Well, how do we do that? We do that by loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. And the world will know that we love Christ because of the love that we have for one another. 3 John 1 verse 11 says, don't imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil is not from God. So as Christians, we ought to be living our lives in such a way that the love we have for one another, the goodness that we have for one another, draws people into a relationship with us. They see what we want, and they want what we want. You know, one of the reasons that I have been married for so long— is because I saw good marriage modeled. And I'm one of the exceptions to the rule. And I am so thankful for this blessing that I have. My wife's mom and dad are still married. They've been married for 56 years. Neither one of them were previously married. And God has blessed them with a healthy, monogamous Christian marriage for 56 years. Now, they're both in their 70s. My father was 76, my mother was 75, so they were married about age 20 or so, 21, and they've been married all these years. So when I started dating my wife, I saw the wonderful relationship that she had with her mom and dad, and I saw the great relationship that she had with her father. As a matter of fact, if you're looking for a spouse, and this is not part of my message, so this won't cost you anything extra, but if you're looking for a spouse, guys, if you're looking for a good spouse, Look at the woman that you're interested in and look at her relationship with her father. If she has a good relationship with her father, she's going to have an excellent relationship with you. Now, I know that that's not the only thing that you got to look at. And if you don't have that, I'm not saying don't marry that person, but that will give you some insight. If your spouse, your intended spouse uh, holds her dad in high regard and has a good level of respect for him... She can have that same respect for you as her husband because she has learned respect as it's been modeled and she's been taught that respect. So, anyway, that's a bonus. I won't cost you anything extra, okay? So, imitate goodness, glorify God with works and humility. Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter five In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds your good works. They may glorify your Father who is in heaven. So when we look at the church, this is what we do in the church. We let our light shine before others. They may see our good deeds and they glorify our Father which is in heaven. Paul tells us don't do anything out of conceit or or rivalry, right? Not out of competition, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. That each of you look not only on your own interests, we're good at that, right? Taking care of me. But also we're told to look at the interest of others. You see, I think one of the reasons that we shy away from being too involved in the church is because we're afraid, well, I I might get burnt out, right? They're going to always ask me to do stuff. And so I want to encourage you on this. I don't want you to get burnt out in the church. I'm not talking about being burnt out in the church, but I think most of us don't have that trouble. And if you're in a good church, they're going to see this, right? As a matter of fact, we're getting ready to have VBS at my church. We love VBS. I told one of our workers, I said, you cannot sign up for VBS. What do you mean I can't sign up to help in VBS? I said, you cannot sign up to help in VBS. And this person get a little set back. I says, you're doing too much at our church. And now how many times you hear a pastor tell you that, right? I says, you are involved in too many aspects of our church. And I says, you are too valuable for us to lose you by being burnt out. I says, you cannot help in VBS. And I says, I'm not trying to be a dictator of your life, right? But I don't want you stretching yourself too thin. You need some rest. Uh, you need to take a break because you have got your hands in so many different things here uh, that I'm, I'm afraid that you're being stretched too thin. So if you're in a good church, you have a pastor who will sometimes tell you in a loving way, uh, you cannot serve because you're doing too much. So number three, as we look at the power of the church, okay, you get to enjoy company. Hebrews 9.24, Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered into heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence. So we get to enjoy the accompany of Christ, even though he's in heaven, the spirit of God resides within us. And so as we look at the church, an unhealthy expectation is that we're going to know everybody in the church, okay? That every single person will be my best friend, uh, and I'll be best friends with everybody here. That's not realistic. They have done study after study and they said the average person in the average church will know between 50 and 60 people on a first-name basis. Uh, so if your church has more than 50 people in it, you're not going to know everybody. You may know about everybody to a certain level, but you're not going to have a a good relationship with everybody. Don't let that bother you, okay? That's why we're big on small groups, right? Uh, you get into a small group, and a small group will have 12 to 20 people in it. Once it gets over 20, we like to start another group because it gets to be too big. A healthy expectation is that I can build some great connections throughout the family, great friendships with some, deep relationships with a few. I know this is going to take time, but we'll have healthy expectations in mind. And then when you come to a church, remember that baby steps are okay. Let's be clear. When we talk about subject of fences, right, living without fences doesn't mean that you are going to let every single person into the more personal parts of your life the first day that you meet them. As a matter of fact, I'm there if I meet somebody for the first time and they dump their whole history on me. That's too much information when you just meet somebody. Uh, that's not a goal. It should not be to dump everything on somebody else. At first, uh, we're going to hang out, right? We're going to hang out and just get to know each other, and then it's kind of like when people come to your house, right? When they first come, you you hang out in the front room, and and uh, and then you invite them into the living room, right? Uh, and then maybe you have a meal in the back or whatever. But it takes time, so we won't let everyone come in uh, immediately. Uh, we take baby steps, and then we realize that when we're involved in a church, there is some responsibility, and we realize that I can't do everything, but I need to do something. We all need to work on that, right? So maybe we can do a little test, right? On a scale between 1 and 10, with 1 being the lowest and 10 being the highest, how much effort are you putting into connecting with others? And rate yourself. Uh, what do you need to, to do to raise that number a few over the next week or so? Maybe you need to be consistent in just going to church, right? Go every single Sunday. I've got a friend uh, that I led to the Lord a few years ago. His name was Richard. Now, Richard was as lost as lost could be. And Richard got invited to come to church, and he had a family member who said to him, now, Richard, um, your life's a mess. You need the Lord in your life. Well, Richard wasn't ready to hear that. And so uh, this friend says, I want you to go to church. And I want you to go eight Sundays in a row. Now, don't miss a Sunday. Go eight Sundays. And when you go, uh, don't uh, analyze the service. Don't critique the sermon. Just go, right? Uh, Just go and ask the Lord to speak to you. Don't miss a Sunday. Don't make any judgment calls. Just go. You know, about week four, I sat down with Richard and his wife, and I led them both to the Lord. And that's when I heard that somebody had invited him and told him to go. And, uh, you know, Richard Church hardly ever missed uh, going to church on Sunday. Uh, He understood that he needed to be with God's family. And so maybe that's where you need to start. Maybe you need to start with faithfulness. Just going to church every single Sunday. And maybe you need to take the next step, getting into a small group, or the next step, being a servant within the church. You see, God has a place for you. God wants you to be involved in his church. And it requires some faith, right? A guy by the name of John Patton was a translations missionary in the New Hebrides. Well, as he's looking at this word faith, he's trying to translate it into their language, into the New Hebrides language. And he's frustrated because he couldn't find a word for faith. Now one day a man who was working for him came to the house and just flopped down into a big chair. The missionary asked him what the word would be for what he had just done. The man gave him the word that he used for faith. It's a word that means without hesitation, without reservation. The man had completely committed his body to that chair. He had felt the need for rest. He was convinced that the chair provided a place for rest, and he committed himself to the chair for rest. That word faith, forsaking all, I trust him. I'm putting all my confidence in Christ, the weight of my whole being on that chair, so that I can experience his rest. You know, as I think about our relationship with God's people, the church is also a place of rest. You know, most Sundays I look out and I says, you know, I'm kind of jealous of the people that get to come and worship with their wives. You know, for all these years that my wife and I have been married, uh, as a matter of fact, if there's a, an occasion where I'm in a worship service that I'm not speaking. It's awkward for me because I don't know how to act uh, sitting in the congregation. But I look out and I watch husbands and wives uh, as they're in the worship service, singing together. Uh, sometimes they'll be holding hands. Sometimes uh, uh, they'll have arms around each other. And then and then I watch them during the message and uh, where they they'll be maybe sometimes writing notes together and and sitting next to each other and enjoying. The worship service and and soaking into worship and soaking into message and and sometimes I get jealous. I said, "Man, I wish I could do that with my wife. I wish I could sit in a worship service and uh, sing with my wife and and uh, and listen to a, a sermon with my wife." And I, I very rarely get to do that. But when you think about the church, the church ought to be a place where you can come and you can feel just the concerns of the world rolling off your back as you worship the Lord, and as you hear God's Word, it ought to be a haven of rest for you. But so many people are worshiping in the wrong areas of their lives. I think about young Americans. I am a student of where young Americans are. You know, 95% say that finding a job or a career they enjoy is the most important thing for them as an adult. Now, I'm not diminishing the, the importance of that, but that shouldn't be number one. Number one in your life ought to be to find out what God's purpose for your life is. 81% said their number one purpose in life was helping others in, in need, and that is not a bad thing, but that shouldn't be that high of a percentage. Uh, 50% said the number one goal in my life is having a lot of money, and that's the most important thing in my life. Now listen, God is not against money. God is not against you having nice things. It's not the money that's the problem. It's the love of money that is the problem. 39% thought that having children was the most important thing in life. And listen, I love children. As a matter of fact, I kid around all the time, and I said, my wife and I, we both, we'd have more children because uh, we love children, and God's blessed us with five wonderful children that now are our adult children, and now we're being blessed with children. But listen, having children is not the most important thing in life. The most important thing in life is realizing that you are loved by God that he has a purpose for your life, that he has created you in his image, and that he wants you to fulfill that purpose in your life by having a relationship with him. You know, as I think about this, many young people are working long hours. You know, some people say, well, millennials are, are very lazy. They find that it's a kind of a split generation. Uh, millennials, uh, on one hand, can be lazy, but then you have another segment of millennials where they're working 80 hours a week and, and working long hours, and, uh, and, and they're, they're working in these high-tech industries, and, and their work has become their God. The Atlantic Journal article suggests the best educated, the highest earning Americans who can have whatever they want have chosen the office for the same reason that devout Christians attend church on Sunday. It's where they feel most themselves. But our desks were never meant to be our altars. The mismatch between expectation and reality is a recipe for severe disappointment, if not outright dismay. And it might explain why rates of depression and anxiety are substantially higher today in the United States than it ever has been before. Maybe you haven't been to church for a while. Why don't you try it again for the first time? Why don't you go to church this Sunday with the expectation that God is going to speak to you, that God is going to reveal himself to you? If you don't have a church home to go to, why don't you come to Hickory Ridge Community Church? We are in the Hickory section of Chesapeake, we're on South Battlefield Boulevard as you're going down heading toward Moyock, North Carolina. We're on the right side, right across the street from the old uh Fire Station, right across from the Toll Plaza. Boy, we would love to have you come worship with us. And our service times is at 9 o'clock or 1045. Why don't you come and hear a word from the Lord? Why don't you come and bring your kids with you? We have a wonderful children's ministry, and uh, we have an amazing children's director. Uh, She does a wonderful job teaching the kids the Word of God. And uh, we have a a ministry called Ridge Kids, and then we have a, a Sunday school class, on Sundays at 1045 every Sunday for our teenagers, middle school and high school students. Love to have them come and be part of that. Uh, So again, come worship with us this Sunday, nine o'clock or 1045. Well, God, thank you for every person listening to this broadcast. It's a Friday afternoon. They're driving home. Keep them safe throughout this weekend. Allow them to worship you in spirit and in truth. I pray a hedge of protection around their families, around the ones that they love. Thank you, Lord, for being with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, if I can pray for you, shoot me a text. Here's my number, 252-267-2365. I would love to pray for you. i get our team praying for you as well, 252 267 Two three six five. God bless you. I will talk with you on Monday. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com/backslash one eight nine zero five five seven, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at thirty three twenty Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are nine a.m. and ten thirty a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.